Welcome to Naturopathy Today. Your hosts are Dr. Michael Schwartz and Steve Langford. Join them as they guide you on a journey to good health through holistic naturopathy. Now here are Michael and Steve. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Naturopathy Today. And with me is my famous guide, Mr. Steve Langford. Steve, good morning. Hello, Michael. Good to be with you again. Good to have you here. I really appreciate your perspective on things. You stimulate thinking and uh, help me grow and learn new things. So Likewise, con- I'm sure. Well, thank you. We're continuing our conversation on heart failure. And today we're going to talk about some of the other um, symptoms, one of them being dizziness and confusion, difficulty in concentrating, even to the point of fainting. And again, all of these are tied into enough oxygen into the blood. But when I thought about dizziness and confusion and fainting, that also took me back to poor circulation, not getting enough blood to the blood-brain barrier, not getting enough oxygen, in spite of the fact in this case, we've got, you know, really diminished amount of oxygen in the blood to begin with. So I looked at it from a poor circulation point of view, as well as hardening of the arteries, which also would restrict the amount of blood going to the brain. So that could also deal, you know, uh, participate in the confusion, the difficulty in concentrating, as well as the fainting. So having said that, and I believe we covered poor circulation two or three episodes ago, as well as in the last episode, hardening of the arteries. And that reminds me when I went back and listened to it, and I, you know, we talked about what to do to dissolve cholesterol. And then I said, oh, well, for the hardening of the arteries, you know, you need the apoplectin, the magnesium and the the D. And I realized you also still need all those things to dissolve the cholesterol to free up the calcium ions with and help the body assimilate them with the magnesium and D. So it's, it's all together. So there was that. Okay. So another thing is rapid or irregular heartbeats, palpitations. And this made me think of arrhythmias, which we're going to get into. And there's like two types of those. And basically this is when the, because the heart muscle does not pump enough force with enough force, the heart may be faster to try to get enough oxygen rich blood to the organs and the muscles. You know, that kind of reminded me of hypo or hyperthyroidism. You know, we talked about the blood pressure being on a negative feedback system. I think I brought up, and I don't remember, Steve, maybe you will, whether or not I brought up the fact that the thyroid also works on a negative feedback system, as well as bowel evacuation works on the same system. And I don't remember. Well, I do remember you bringing that up, however briefly. Okay, so we didn't cover it. So the deal is almost the same thing here with the irregular heartbeat. What the way the body works is that it has some feedback systems and the thyroid will go there first. The thyroid creates your hormones, the thyroxine, triduotherinine, T3, H4, heads out to tell the body what to do. However, if certain glands or organs do not get the message of what to do, 
then they can't say to the thyroid, hey, uh, sending you a message back, I got it. You can stop sending. However, if they don't get it, because maybe the thyroid didn't produce a whole and complete hormone, because it may have been deficient in one of the, you know, the tyrosine or the manganese or the chromium, one of the nutrients. And so because there's not a whole complete hormone, the gland doesn't get it. It can't communicate to the thyroid. So the thyroid keeps working and working and working. And you have hyperthyroidism. With the bowels, it's different. There's nerve endings in the arterial walls. Or in the, I went right to blood pressure, didn't I? Uh, in the colon. And so when fiber fills up with water, which is one of its main functions, uh, it swells against the colon walls. It tells the mind the colon is full and time to evacuate. So those are negative feedback systems. Here, it's saying now the heart is working harder because the everybody is screaming, the cells are screaming, the glands, the organs, the muscles, we don't have enough oxygen, get us more blood, get us more oxygen. And the heart is pumping. So when I hear irregular heartbeat or palpitations, same thing with arrhythmia, I think minerals, because remember, your body runs on enzymes and proteins, and chemically, electrically, magnetically. So all of these have to be in harmony. And the minerals, as I may have explained in another session, to me are like light switches. And I think I gave the analogy of coming home in the winter. Uh, did we cover that, Steve? Is that well, Where you turn on the lights? Yeah. <laughs> is that the one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there it is. Take a look at a complete multi-mineral and you'll be in good shape. However, there's, you know, there's always a however. In this case, uh, if your heart is larger than normal, after, especially if you've had a, a heart attack or you have abnormally level high levels of potassium in your blood, then obviously the thing you want to do is reduce your potassium foods. So, Steve, do you have any thoughts on some of those foods that could be reduced? Oh, some of them I would have no trouble reducing. <laughs> um, and some of them I would have big problems reducing. So probably the biggest challenge for people might be knowing which foods they're trying to avoid and why. Because, of course, you know, when we talk about reducing potassium, that kind of sounds like the opposite of everything we ever hear about. We need more minerals and we probably need more potassium. But I think what this points out to me, again, is the fabulous diversity in the human body. And part of the problem is so often we take this simplistic view in my mind, oh, I have heart disease. Not that heart disease is simple, but we name it without understanding any of these complexities about the foods that we should eat or shouldn't eat in this case, and also the nutrients that we take or don't take to support the body. So sometimes, you know, looking at it as this health crisis doesn't give us enough information to actually improve things because the doctors don't 
treat us nutritionally. We have to do that ourselves or have somebody like yourself guide us in that because most people I know in this situation are not going to be confident enough to make those choices themselves. But suffice to say, if they do understand it, then they can go and make those proper choices. Absolutely. So I made a list uh, because I'm not really a food person. You know, people always ask me, well, what, what food should I eat? You know, when I do a program, right? And I said, the truth of the matter is, you know, here, here's some of the key things you shouldn't do. You know, get rid of white flour, get rid of sugar, get rid of salt. You can find healthy substitutes for all of that. But, you know, what, you know, get rid of the meat, get rid of the acid forming foods like meat, fish, fowl, dairy, those kind of things. But when it comes to specific nutrients like potassium, um, I have a card file <laughs> that, because again, not being a food person that I'll go back and refer to. So here are a bunch of different things that are high in potassium that you should watch out for if you have heart issues, if you have kidney issues, okay? Bananas, oranges, cantaloupes, honeydew, apricot, dried fruits like prunes and raisins and dates. And obviously some of these you shouldn't eat if you've got <laughs> diabetes because they're concentrated sugar. What I found interesting was like the cooked spinach and cooked broccoli. And, and I love both of those. Fortunately, I don't have any issues with potassium. But uh, potatoes, mushrooms, peas, cukes, pumpkins, zucchini, all of those are high in potassium. All of those need to be reduced and or eliminated. And then I found some juices, uh, orange juice. You know, years ago, and I guess now it's closer to 10 years ago, I developed, imagine getting sick at our age, I developed a gastrointestinal disorder. And uh, I thought it was hypoglycemia because I was getting, you know, I would throw up. And so it turned out that I had this condition and I went to, after a while, because I couldn't fix myself, I didn't know what I was dealing with because I had never come across it. So I went and the doctor gave me Prilosec, take this and you'll be good to go. And so I had a bag full of samples and I threw them in the trash on my way out. And I went home and I looked up gastrointestinal disorder. And it turns out that my diet was making me sick. You know, orange juice. And the reason I jumped into that, because it's the first thing that's potassium rich in orange juice, because I would have coffee, I would have juice every morning, bananas in the morning, tomatoes. So I read all of the things that aggravate the stomach, all of the acid forming things, and I cut them out of my diet, period. And I haven't had an episode in years just by changing my diet. I don't know if you've ever had a situation like that. Well, what a good example that is, Michael, because you talk about going to the doctor who you know, looks at, a, at your symptoms and gives you a drug to counteract the symptoms, which isn't going to get you any closer to being better, in my opinion, because he hasn't really addressed the cause of your problem. And this is the very challenge that so many of us face, is that we have a medical system that's full of drugs that will alter our systems as if when we 
take a drug and drop our blood sugar or our blood pressure or our cholesterol yeah. or your stomach acid, then, oh, now you're healthy because <laughs> those symptoms are no longer evident when you really haven't addressed the cause at all. And you, through your knowledge and wisdom, knew how to do that. Um, so I think that's a perfect example of the problem that a lot of us face, not getting to the cause of the problem. And then one last question as I, uh, what you were saying is, can people test for potassium like they test for iron? Is this something that people would know or do they pretty much have to go by the, the symptoms that might be associated with it? Oh, I would think there would be a biochemical test, a blood test that would determine how much potassium is available in the system. And it may also show up in urine. Okay. So, okay. Uh, I would test that way. And, and just, well, I might say if somebody does get a medication from a doctor, just don't stop there. Do what you did. Go look up things and find out more about it. Understand your own health so that you can make better decisions. Absolutely. You know, I'm, and I have two kids. My my daughter is, what, 48, 47, going to be 48 in December. My son is 45, going to be 46. Neither of them are on meds either. And they we've never taken them to a doctor. Okay. Now, we visited the emergency room a couple of times, but we, we don't have a, quote, unquote, a family doctor. I think people out of doubt and fear because they've been conditioned not to take responsibility for their own health. Well, you don't know enough about your health. You need to go right. to a doctor. There is so much fabulous information on the web. And that's what I did. I went, I put in gastrointestinal disorder. The information came up. I made my notes. Okay, change my diet. Get rid of all of this, the tomato juice, the orange juice. Meanwhile, I haven't had tomatoes. Well, tomatoes I've slowly brought back in but not a lot, maybe once a week, orange juice, oranges, grapefruit. I haven't touched one of those in 10 years. And I used to eat an orange every single day. And therein lies the thing that excess leads to rejection. So have the courage and confidence to go online and go to a reputable source. And Steve gave some reputable sources a couple of episodes ago. I just mentioned Mayo Clinic. There's, there's great, reliable people without an agenda, sources out there to help you get well. So the potassium-rich juices, orange, tomato, prune, apricot, grapefruit, and certain dairy products like milk and yogurt are high in potassium. So take a look at the low flat, you know, the low, low flat. Make sure that your yogurt is low and flat, you know, the no fat. <laughs> <laughs> no fat form. easy for you to say <laughs> i wish it was apparently it wasn't <laughs> you know i was doing a, an interview and i came up with a new word because you know i get so fast i get going you know and so i'll combine words and my aunt and i said well you know that's a new on our planet it's a common word. Everybody understands that it's a combination of two words. So I do that from time to time. Okay. A couple of last before we disappear. Uh, a dry hacking cough is another one that could be caused by heart failure. And if you're lying flat and have extra fluid in your lungs, that's obviously, it's not obvious, but it is the causative factors. 
So there, then again, we go back to the things we talked about earlier with shortness of breath, the same nutrients would apply. Last but not least is a full bloated or what they call a hard stomach, a loss of appetite and or nausea. So obviously there's so many different causes that could bring that about, like the bloated stomach. And I'm sure, Steve, you've seen this with candida and digestive issues. Oh, many times over many decades, Michael, I've seen these problems commonly occur with people. What do you normally suggest for the digestive issues? Well, I always kind of look at the the two areas, the stomach and the intestines. And so I'm always looking at enzymes. If people are having, you know, bloating, belching, burping, things like that, at least let's try some enzymes with your food. Oftentimes I find that really makes the difference for people. Then I look to the intestinal side of it and probiotics obviously become one of the most important things. So my first approach is let's see if we can normalize function you know, by addressing perhaps these two needs. And one thing I think I've learned, at least this is what I've gone on, is that people that don't make enough enzymes aren't likely to necessarily turn that on. This is not one of those situations where if you're chronically short on these enzymes, you generally are going to just have to take them with meals and resolve that issue. It's not like some things which correct itself. You may find that different in your experience, but normally I tell people enzymes, probiotics, and then if we need more, we start looking in some of the other ways to support uh, digestive health. But those two seem to work really well for a lot of people and are foundational, I think, for most people regardless. Absolutely. Uh, I definitely agree. Um, there was another thought that came and went, but yes, uh, also, you know, going back, another issue is the loss of appetite. And there I always have gone to B12 to stimulate, stimulate appetite. Oh, I know what the thought was. <laughs> the enzymes, you know, your body runs on enzymes. This is one of the reasons why I am anti food bound, food enhanced, food grown, or just basic plant sustenance when an enzymatic process because the B vitamins, low potency B vitamins, I feel are working against an individual as opposed to working for the individual because the body running on enzymes and the B vitamins are technically coenzymes, meaning that they are involved in creating the enzymes that your body utilizes. When it comes to digestion, and it's really interesting, it's pantothenic acid is a precursor to the manufacture of betaine hydrochloride, one of the key digestive enzymes. And you need betaine hydrochloride to carry calcium ions into the bone matrix. So it's ideal for people dealing with osteoporosis. And panathenic acid supports the adrenal glands, which is compromised by stress. So it all kind of ties together. So B12, and it's interesting, a lot of people take B12 shots for energy. And no, but it is it will stimulate appetite. Last but not least, and then I think we'll probably have hit our close to our time zone. 
Uh, the upset stomach. I always think B6 because of morning sickness. And again, there, if it is, that's the cause, low dose B6. You don't want to overload the body, especially a developing fetus with too much. And I love chamomile and peppermint teas. So that's all that I have to share. And those are fundamentally the basic um, symptoms, the shortness of breath, the coughing, the dizziness, all the confusion. So if you're dealing with all of them, see a doctor, get clarity. And if you're not, that's fabulous. Deal with the one or two. We've given you some suggestions. Steve, that's it for me. Anything you want to add before we say goodbye? Well, I want to encourage people to realize that if they have these kinds of challenges, not only is it a challenge, but it is also their opportunity. They have opportunity to learn some of these fabulous ways that people can support their health. And it's their responsibility. It's their body. It's their money. It's their time. But it's their opportunity as well to appropriate these things, which can actually lead us to better health. So if you have a medical condition, by all means, see your doctor, but don't neglect the way that you can build and sustain health over the long term, because that's what's really going to make the difference towards the positive. Absolutely. And on the positive, hopefully we'll see you all back next week when we'll talk about some other things that need to be done to eliminate the potential for getting heart failure and dealing with it from a position of strength. So until then, God bless, take care and be well. Steve. Thanks, folks, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to Naturopathy Today, sponsored by MNP, Michael's Naturopathic Programs at michaelshealth.com. Join us every Monday for the latest episode in this journey to excellent health on all levels.